welcome to the Hear It podcast. I'm your host Rebecca Roberts and each week we're going to be speaking to different guests about their take on how to engage a youth audience. I really hope you like it. Hello, welcome to episode 8 of the Hear It podcast. Now we're still on the topic of parents as influencers um, and we're speaking this week to Nick Richardson from the Insights People. Now he's got a whole background in marketing but specifically has looked at how data can inform our approach to engaging with children but also parents as influencers. Here's what he had to say. Nick, thanks so much for coming on the Hear It podcast today. No, thanks, Rebecca. Thanks for having me. Um, so could you tell us a little bit about your background and how you founded Kids Insight and what it's all about? Sure. Um, so my background is marketing um, strategy, um, and I've always worked really closely with data and information. Um, and to me, that's always been the first stage of putting together a strategy to, to obviously understand um, and then shape strategies and plans uh, accordingly. Um, and... Uh, yeah, worked with it um, all of my career and then had the opportunity to set up Kids Insights in 2017. And I just, I felt there was an opportunity um, in lots of reasons. Um, market intelligence has never been critical, um, though with the changes in legislation with GDPR and copper, um, you know, we're a generation of marketeers who are used to having data and information at our fingertips, if it's Google Analytics or, or whatever. Um, but when it comes to kids with this change in legislation, you know, marketeers have essentially gone blind. But I felt there was a real opportunity to build an independent statistical data uh, with statistical significance, um, you know, regular reports, not once a year, using larger data samples, and also build what essentially is a real-time dashboard, which um, allows clients not just to see what's going on at the top of the tree, but also to, um, you know, view, filter, interrogate, and analyze the data um, to find insights which are relevant for them. Um, we're talking about parental influence today. And so how important has it been to include parents within the research you do about children and young people? And what have you found in terms of parents' influence on different age groups? Yeah, I think it's really important to, to include parents. I mean, I think what's important with research in general, it's about context and it's about looking at things from different angles. So you know, when you look at the kids' ecosystem, um, parents obviously play a, a really significant role. So to, to understand what's going on from the parent side and start to see the changes in terms of, you know, millennial parents and uh, Gen Z parents uh, coming into the scene, that's really, really um, important. Um, we've seen, you know, huge uh, changes in influence. And, you know, there's, there's some things which really surprise us in terms of what we're seeing. We've seen how um, parents have actually had less uh, control in terms of what kids are watching um, uh, on YouTube um, during lockdown. But we've also got some data where we look at, um, we have about 20 different household uh, expenditures um, which, which go on. And we basically track in terms of kids' influence with parents across those those 20 um, areas. And during lockdown, their influence has gone up on every single one of these. So it's been, I think that's one of the things which has been really interesting to monitor how the family ecosystem um, has really evolved um, and, you know, Kids are increasingly becoming the CTO or the CEO, the the chief technology officer, helping mum and dad choose what phone to have or how to program it, or chief entertainment officer, um, and you know responsible for you know choosing if it's Netflix or Disney Plus or whatever they're subscribing to. So really interesting dynamics at the moment to observe. 
Yeah, and there's a lot of noise when it comes to youth marketing generally. How important is it to ensure that the right insights are used within marketing and communication strategies? And have you got any examples where it's really worked well for your clients doing that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's absolutely critical. Um, and I think, you know, in these market conditions and unprecedented market conditions that, you know, the difference between winning and losing, there's never been a, a final line. So using data uh, and information to, to inform that is really key. And I think, you know, at the moment we've, you know, I sometimes look at the kids' ecosystem like a big jigsaw puzzle and there's all these different pieces of puzzle. And depending on uh, what audience it is, if it's uh, boys and girls or different age ranges or, you know, different types of kids, uh, you know, based on personality or their attitudes and so on, you, you know, different parts of the, those puzzles will be different uh, sizes. And with COVID, some of those pieces of the, of the puzzle have actually been taken off the table at the moment. You know, we can't go to the cinema um, you know, we've not been able to play uh, team sports. And as a result, those pieces have been taken off and there's still only 24 hours in a day. Um, there's still, um, you know, kids have only got so much money to spend. So it's been interesting how some of those pieces have got bigger, like esports or gaming or, um, you know, TV consumption, board games and so on. So um, it really is a, a critical place because with, with this kids ecosystem becoming so fragmented, um, you know, where kids go, you know, these, these huge metaverses that brands are creating and, um, you know, kids can get lost in them. Um, so if your marketing is trying to engage a particular audience, you've really got to be smart and understand uh, how to, how to um, you know, raise awareness, how to build interest, how to engage them, and then ultimately how to, how to bring them, um, you know, to be a fan um, and to, to be an advocate too, because I think that's a the big piece which I, I don't see many brands doing a particularly good job, and that is using uh, advocacy. Um, and I'm a firm believer that we're going to see some really interesting um, changes in business models, which will essentially be based, be based around um, the advocacy component. That's really interesting. So you talked about how children have changed during lockdown a little bit in terms of that dynamic of being at home all the time. And that role of parents is almost, you could question, that's probably changed a little bit in lockdown because they're that intensity of being at home together. Do you see the brands looking at kind of influencing the parent differently now to kind of purchase things or are they going to go straight for the, the child ordering things off Alexa? Like, how do you think that's going to influence what we do over the next, you know, life under the curve for the next few months? Um, I think it's going to have, yeah, some really significant impacts. Um, and it, it's interesting. I mean, there's so many questions in that question to, to try and break down and answer. But, you know, kids um, are becoming more financially enabled and more empowered um, and we've seen increases, not surprisingly, in terms of online shopping. You know, the likes of Go Henry continues to grow in our data, um, which is enabling kids to, to spend online and be, be um, empowered. Um, but also, we're seeing the relationship, I think, between children and parents changing. Parents um, have probably got a far different perspective of what the kids' ecosystem looks like because they've spent more time uh, with their children. Um, you know, we've seen, you know, the emergence of board games that I mentioned before and, and, and these more traditional elements come back. So I think um, I, I just think, yeah, everything is is very much uh, in a state of flux at the moment. Uh, and I think it's going to going to stay that way um, for, for quite a significant time. I mean, going back to the role of the parent, I think it's I mean, we've got an 18 month old daughter. So, you know, we're, we're, we're quite fortunate with that and um, in many ways because, you know, she can entertain herself. She has a few naps in the day and so on. But for, for uh, parents of children who are older, who are juggling um, becoming um, teacher, 
um, you know, um, cooking, cleaning, carrying on with the job um, and all jobs and all of those types of things. It is very, very, very difficult. And um, I would argue that it's probably not sustainable. Um, and um, I think what we're going to see, I think one area where we're really seeing in our data, we've been talking about this since uh, COVID, was almost this uh, uh, growth of a new sector, uh, edutainment, um, you know, bringing education and entertainment together. And I think it's going to be really interesting. I think we're going to see some real innovation when it comes to education and learning for, for children, uh, if it's using games. Uh, I think ga the, the gaming industry and esports is really well uh, positioned to, to do well um, with that. Um, but I think we're going to start to see some really interesting innovations there. I mean, yeah, even TikTok are sort of investing in education, learning on TikTok um, videos. I think that'll be a really interesting area to kind of monitor over the next few months. Um, and you collect data literally around the world, pretty much. Do you think parents and, and children, are, are they that diverse or are there some similarities? You know, how does the UK differ? Um, yeah, I mean, so we're in now in the UK, US, France, Germany, Italy, Spain, India, Brazil, Mexico, Australia and Canada, so 11 countries, and we survey 4,000 kids a week across those five continents, which is about 200,000 a year. So it is, yeah, I mean, we are becoming global. Um, and there are similarities and there are and there are differences, and it really comes down to the granularity in terms of how you look at the data and, and what you're seeing. Um, you know, I, I look at the data in the UK, um, and some things which always stick out to me is that um, – we seem to be quite, um, or our children seem to be quite digitally enabled um, at a younger age than, than other countries. Um, they probably spend a little bit more time, you know, gaming, TV, and digital. We see they've probably got better coding abilities. Um, we see that there's, um, you know, bigger aspirations to, to go into tech um, and game development and coding type um, roles. So, um, there is some um, big differences like that, and of course, different content um, and different brands will resonate. But then you will see a brand such as Nike, uh, and across our data across those 11 countries, Nike is the number one brand with children. That's an open-ended question that we ask across all 11 countries, and, and pretty dominant uh, in, in some of those countries too. So there will be similarities and there'll be some big differences. But I think what we're seeing now is that you know the world, we've had globalization for 40, 40 years um, the world has, has been in that sense. And we started to, I suppose, have elements of localization. You know, uh, Brexit is, is an example of that. But what COVID has done is it's almost accelerated that too, that it feels the, the world feels a very small place at the moment. Um, and I think uh, when we look at our data, we can break it down by region, not just by country, but by region um, and by those different demographics. So a one-size-fits-all strategy either across the globe or across Europe or even across one country doesn't necessarily work. And it goes back to the point I mentioned earlier, understanding your audience and defining the, your audience is absolutely critical because otherwise you can waste a lot of time, effort, energy, resources on, on chasing something um, and, and being wide of the mark. Um, and that brings me on nicely to the last um, couple of points, actually. So there are so many examples of brands and organisations getting it really quite wrong when it comes to engaging young people and their influences so because mainly marketing and comms people are sort of listening to this what would be your advice to them around how to you know really effectively engage young people and parents in the work they're doing yeah well, i think the first thing to do is take away any preconceptions 
Um, you know, we all have our own little bubbles. Um, we will socialize with friends and we'll have our connections on Facebook. And, and, and in many ways, that's really dangerous because our own worlds become increasingly narrow. And, um, you know, you, you see what you see and you make assumptions based on that. So the first thing I always say is take away, take away those assumptions and don't start off with a qualitative research approach. Always look at the bigger picture um, and, and understanding what's going on is, is a good place. But once you've got that information, you know where you, um, you know, what's going on and you're starting to define your audience. That's where you've got to, um, you know, build that campaign. And, it, and a campaigns have to be agile now. The, the, the way of, you know, doing five-year plans and all of this side of things, you know, campaigns, products, uh, content, all needs to be built with, with flexibility and agility in mind because things change very quickly. And with social media, you know, all of a sudden, one minute, things can really take off um, or go in a different direction. So I think that's really key. I think the other thing is, you know, when you're building a brand, it's really about consistency. Um, is really important. So if you are going to make claims about, I mean, we see environment is one of the key concerns that kids have across the globe, increasing all of the time in our data. And you can analyze that and filter more in terms of what that audience really looks like. But when you when you look at that group of children, if you're going to create products and services and, and, and build build environmental and sustainability and, and then I suppose ethics, um, ethics into your opposition if that is not true in your business and there's parts of your manufacturing or your supply chain or how you treat your employees which aren't aligned with that you're in danger of really killing your brand very quickly because if that gets found out then everything that you've you've tried to build uh, will, will come crashing down so i think there's there's some really important uh, lessons there about you know if you're doing things you've got to build consistency and got to be agile it's got to keep on moving and I think we see some great, we see some brand, we see brands doing some really great work. I mean, the new Nike advertising campaign is is just wonderful, and it's um, and we've seen it in our, in our data. You know, Nike is the is the favourite advert of kids in the UK. You know, kids you know see Nike as a brand that they can trust. We've also seen, I think, some really interesting innovations, which might not be marketing comms, but it's all part of the the ecosystem. And I think we say this a lot that everything is blurring now. What used to be seen as advertising or marketing comms, some of it is maybe product development or, or proposition development um, and so on. And I think what Pokemon have, have done with Pokemon Sleep is really clever, where they've taken um, you know, kids who are um, spending a lot of time and being conscious about children not sleeping enough, build essentially an initiative which rewards children for having some downtime from their devices. So there are some brands who are really nailing it, but I think it all comes down to the first point, which is, understanding um, and defining who you're going to go for if you want if you get that right um, then the rest of it is um, is downhill that's a really good point too often you see that young person or youth audience is kind of a catch-all you know massive group and okay so the last question any brands or campaigns that you think engaging people particularly well we, we have a service called brand uplift and campaign insight so we we've done work for for numerous brands in the kids space and we we've seen the effect some of the work that we have done the impact that that, that we've seen there has been immense and um, that's cross category i think in terms of the brands some of the ones i mentioned yeah that they're, they're doing a good job but i think a lot of it comes from a consolidated strategy that if kids is going to be a part of your business then it's, it goes beyond the advertising. It goes about your whole proposition and, and really building a, a cohesive strategy. And one of the, the points that I, I, I really focus on is 
is looking at a purchase funnel type model. You look at how it normally starts off with awareness and interest, desire, action, and moving people down to the consumption or purchase. We, we built a purchase funnel, which we use with a lot of our clients' strategy sessions. And it's similar to that, but it's, it's evolved slightly that at the end of it, we've got a piece around advocacy. And I think the brands that are doing really well in the kids' space at the moment are not treating their not treating kids as, as customers or audience in the uh, maybe older-fashioned way of defining that. I mean, I think those two terms need to be really redefined because both of them are quite passive, aren't they? You know, you think of audience as just being someone who watches or consumes someone who buys. This generation of kids aren't like that. They want to co-create. They want to co-syndicate. They want to co-commercialize. Um, they want to uh, personalize their, their, their products and their services. So I think the, the, the opportunities that, or the examples that I would say are absolutely um, hitting home runs at the moment are people like uh, Minecraft, TikTok, where they are, you know, they've got initiatives which reward children for building and engaging and creating content and, and really bringing them as part of the, the system. So in many ways, the kids are defining and developing and, and driving the product development, they're driving the content, then they're driving the marketing communications campaigns. I think that's a really, really smart thing to do. And I think as we're now seeing retail very much go online and brands become offline in terms of the experiential elements that, you know, the high street is becoming or will do once once COVID disappears, very much more experiential. I think that that's, um, that's a real key thing that people should be really looking at. And with, you know, cyber currency, we see in our data, we ask kids what they think about cyber currency and loads of them, I can't remember the exact percentage of hand, but saying that that's one of the next big things and it's increasing and with um you know in-game currencies that you have in roblox and minecraft you know are we are we that far away from seeing uh you know online shops being built into these parts of the metaverse we've seen social shopping increase in our data whereas a whole new way and a whole new way that um you know the, the, the business model which needs to be uh into place for kids i could talk about that all day <laughs> it is a different world but why wouldn't you think actually as a, a youth brand i would let other young people do a collaboration with roblox and they can buy some product from me because that fits in their world it, it kind of seems obvious and when you when you think of um you know fortnite they've built areas in their games where kids can just go and not actually game but just hang out with other friends um or they can watch films or they can watch music concerts I mean, is it going to be long until uh, Toys R Us uh, comes up in Fortnite and you can basically walk around the store virtually and, you know, pick and choose what you get? And maybe when you uh, pick and choose what you want, um, there'll be a ring on the doorbell half an hour later and there'll be a man from Amazon or a lady from Amazon with uh, with the item that you've just purchased. So I, I, really, I really think that the business models, everything is in a state of flux at the moment. And I think the business models that we've had, there's a real chance to be innovative. And I think, again, if you understand and you're looking at what your what your plans are, what your objectives are, there's some really exciting times where there'll be some really big winners and there'll be, unfortunately, some, some losers along the way too. Are there any particular podcasts or social accounts books that you'd recommend? I love podcasts. I love books and all of those elements. But what I do find is I just need some thinking time. I need some time just to process it. And I think that's one of my – will be one of my recommendations to people is – I always listen to lots of things and, and take it in or have time for yourself just to almost sit in a quiet room or with a little bit of music and a blank piece of paper and a pen and, and just have some time to digest because I think that's where certainly some of our 
um, best ideas as a business and as a um, strategies that we put together for the clients we'll start. So that's it. Episode 8 is done. I really hope you found that useful. Definitely go and check out the Kids Insight website for a little bit more about them. Now coming up next, we're speaking to Amanda Vanales from the Youth Support Trust. And we're still on the topic of talking about parents as influencers. We're also going to extend that to talk about teachers and particularly the role they play in engaging children and young people with sport. Thanks for listening. Catch you next time.